Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you are good doodlers. I know this because I pick up leftover service folders after church and see some of your artwork. I've seen drawings of the multi-eyeballed lamb from Revelation, crosses of all kinds, people from the Bible, and plain old symmetric designs. But today we're all going to doodle on our service folders. Not doodle, actually, but draw an X. Draw a big capital X on the back of your service folder where it's blank there. I made sure there were pencils in every pew. Leave a little room around the X in case you want to add some extra flourish to it or doodle around it. As you draw your X, you might want to think of the old phrase, X marks the spot. You know, X marks the spot on the map where the treasure is. X marks the spot where you want to be, and so forth. Got your X on paper? Good. You're doing great. We'll get back to the X in a minute. Before that, though, I want to say that along with you, I am concerned with what's going on in the church today. I'm concerned about how difficult it is to recruit people to serve as officers and leaders. I'm concerned about people who are serving suddenly quitting with no explanation. I'm concerned why a church our size has such a complicated financial system one you might expect to find at a congregation of a thousand people or more. I've been in conversation with the district president and my colleagues about this for some time now. I've been in countless meetings, daytime and nighttime, spoken to you about these things in newsletter articles, and had conversations with those who have come to talk to me about it. Some of the reasons why we are where we are today are obvious, such as the pandemic, which we've talked about ad nauseum, it seems. Then there's the economy. It's also a more unstable world right now. And you may not think these things matter to a little congregation like ours, tucked way up here in our cool corner of the world, but they do matter. There's also the problem of plain old death. Death hurts the church. It hurts the church's strength. It hurts its worship. It damages its spiritual life and financial well-being. Of course, you know this already. Some solutions? Well, for one, stop dying. No one die from here on out, and maybe we can hold on for another hundred years. Let's increase our tithes and offerings three to five percent to compensate for inflation. Make more friends in life and invite them to church. These actions would make us stronger, people-wise, and financially. But my guess is you're not going to stop dying because death is the wage of sin. And we are sinning 
all of us, every single day. This church was started by farmers who had nary a dime to spare in their pockets. And that legacy continues. We're all living paycheck to paycheck with nary a dime to spare for the church. And as I said in my last newsletter article, you've already invited your friends to church, and they said, thanks, but no thanks. So if anyone has any ideas, one thing I am certain of, the world continues to spin on its axis around the sun, which means Sunday never stops coming around. And if Sunday doesn't stop coming around, then Christians everywhere will gather to hear God's word and receive all his blessings in the worship life of the congregation. There's no reason to think that that won't stop here. You've weathered more tumultuous storms than this one. We'll get through it. In the meantime, it's good to be back with you after a week in Houston for the National Youth Gathering. And before you ask me if it was hot, let me just tell you, yes, it was hot. Hotter than you can possibly imagine. The National Youth Gathering is a bit of a misnomer because it's actually the largest single gathering of adults in the Missouri Synod Church as well. More adults there than at the triannual synod convention. The theme woven throughout the whole gathering was in all things, from Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. In the verses just before the ones in our epistle reading today, Paul describes all things. Well, what do all things include? For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Everything. Yeah, sure, we make things with our hands and machines, but the things we make things out of were made by our Creator. And Jesus holds all things together. He is the king and ruler of the heavens and the earth. He is the head of the church. Thank goodness. Because if one of us were the head of the church, things would have been really bad by now. He is the beginning. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. Meaning surpassing all others. Now go to the X you drew on your folder. The four openings of the X show the extent of Jesus' preeminence. You know, that just imagine those openings show the extent of, of Jesus surpassing all others. Because he creates, sustains, and reconciles all things. You know, you reconcile your checkbook. Well, at least we used to. I don't know if any of us do that anymore. But yeah, you reconcile your bank account, right? You make it right. You make it match up. You verify that it's all there, that it's good. Jesus reconciles all things in creation to himself. Makes 
them all right. So imagine you can fill the V-shaped openings in your X with all things in creation. Now move to the middle of the X, the intersection where the lines come together. Imagine it all comes to you. You're in the, the center there. This is what Paul is saying at the beginning of verse 21 in our reading today. What Jesus did for all creation, he did for you. God doesn't just love the world, he loves you. Of all people, he loves you and me. He knows you. He knows how far away from him you've wandered, whether it was however long ago, now, or will happen in the future. He knows how far your thoughts are from his. He knows how much they don't align with his. He knows your values aren't always in sync with his. He knows the real you, the one you try so hard to hide, especially in church when you put on your best show, because you know you're supposed to act Christian and righteous. He knows you and still against better judgment from the Father who would judge you condemned for breaking every law he gave you for your own good, he loves you. Better yet, he acts on his love for you. He does something. You who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things, he has now made you acceptable in his sight, in the sight of God the Father, and restored a friendly relationship between him and you. He's reconciled you. All this he did in his son by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Have you ever thought of yourself as holy and blameless and above reproach? At least by your own wherewithal? I can't. But God makes us this way. God's good news in the cross of Jesus Christ is for you. The four openings of the X that you marked show the extent of Christ in all things. Coming at you from all directions, all things. That's where you want to be. X marks the spot. Paul says, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. In you. The hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What does that mean? We may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul's telling you and me, Christ is a glorious mystery. Christ, the one who created all things. Christ, the one who is before and in and beyond all things. Christ, the one who reconciled all things by the blood of his cross. Christ, the one who now lives eternally as king over all things, is in you. And this Christ in you is at work 
through you. This is why you invite your friends to church. This is how more are added to be saved. We talk to our friends about his work and use our words to describe his work in us and tell anyone who will listen about what Jesus has done. I know, I know, many of you say inside your head, not me, I don't know what to say. I can't even paraphrase anything in the Bible, let alone quote it. Well, you know what? You may be right. But guess what? Christ is still in you because he is for you. He's on your side. Everyone you know is a person whom Christ died for and lives for. Christ goes with you when you go out from this place. So look at that intersection of the X. You are at the intersection and your witness to Christ goes out to all. In all directions. Wherever you go. To whomever you meet. So imagine the lines going out is your witness to Christ. Jesus creates, sustains, and reconciles all things. All things. Not just things for other people, but all things for you. So what do we have to worry about then? Why so much hand-wringing about what to do? If we toil, it will be for what Paul toiled. Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this we toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within us. To that end, may it be so in you and me. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all human understanding, may he keep your hearts and minds in himself.